Awesome. Thank you so much, Adele. Isn't she a blessing, hey? She's fantastic. Um, and she's preaching next Sunday. So you do, she's going to kill me later, but you do not want to miss next Sunday. Um, so Adele's preaching. So bring your friends and family and let's fill these seats. We have more seats behind that garage door, so don't worry, we can get more seats out. Um, so that's awesome. And don't miss Vision Sunday as well. It's so important that you're here as well on the 16th of February. Really, we shouldn't miss any Sunday. Uh, every Sunday is good. I feel so blessed already, and, uh, but we still got the Word of God to come as well, so that's awesome. So today we're wrapping up our series, Against All Odds, and it's been a series on um, hope. And, uh, and the last two weeks we've spoken about hope and we've shared that the biblical definition of hope is to have a confident expectation. It's not a wishy-washy thing. It's not like, oh, I hope to be there or I hope to see you or I hope I can make it. It's not a vague hope, but it's a confident expectation. It's expecting to receive something and having full confidence that you will in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we looked at two disciples in Luke's gospel and they're on the road to Emmaus and, and Jesus had just been crucified. His tomb was empty and he was nowhere to be seen. And so these two disciples were trying to make sense of it all. They're walking along, they're talking and they're discussing the events of the last few days and, and, and they didn't understand. They were confused, they were discouraged. They, they, they'd just seen um, this guy die a horrific death and, and they said, we had hoped that he was our rescuer. We had hoped that he was the redeemer of Israel. And now we don't know what to think. Now we don't know what to believe. No one has seen him. And uh, they're walking away from Jerusalem. They're walking away from their friends. They're walking away from other believers. And they're on the road to nowhere. You know, sometimes you get discouraged. You, get, you, get, you begin to lose hope and you start to isolate yourself. Bad move. You stay with your people. You stay with your people, right? How many times do we think or believe one thing and then something happens or something gets thrown at, at us or something rocks us and, and then we're like, well, now I don't know what to believe. Do I believe this or do I believe that? And we become confused and discouraged and, and we begin to lose hope. And we get to this place at different times in our lives and I'm sure you've all know what I'm talking about or you might be even there right now where sometimes things situations issues circumstances appear worse they appear worse they appear worse after you've prayed they appear worse after we have heard the promise they appear worse after we've reached out and grabbed a hold of hope or after we've stepped out and taken a risk things and circumstances and issues appear worse. What's going on? And we begin to question God. We begin to doubt. We begin to get double-minded in our thinking and we get swayed backwards and forwards. You know, there's a story in the Bible uh, where God made a promise to his people, yet things got worse before they ever got better. And uh, the backstory is this. The Israelites were slaves in horrific conditions under the Egyptians and they were crying out to their God to save them. They're like, Lord, save us. Lord, we need you. We need a rescuer. And God appeared to Moses in a burning bush and he spoke to him and he made this promise in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good 
and spacious land. I love that God does that in your life. He brings you into good and spacious land, overflowing, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So God is saying he heard their cries. He can see that they're being overworked, how they're being treated so very badly. They're oppressed and miserable and they need help. They're in need of a rescuer. And he says to Moses, you're it, tag. Ever played tag? You're it. I'm sending you. And that's what God says to us. You're it. You're it. Tag tomorrow, next week, next Sunday, tag. Hey, you're it. I'm sending you, that's what God says. You know, we've all got work to do as Christians. You know, when you become a new believer, you got given a new assignment. We all have an assignment in Jesus Christ. It's not just for special people. Every one of us. And he said to Moses, you're it, tag. And in response to this, Moses gave all, ex- all of his excuses of why he couldn't be the one. He says, who am I? He de- he's dealing with insecurity. Who am I, he said. He said this to God. Sound familiar? He said, what if they? What if they don't believe me? Or what if they? Fear of man. The Bible says the fear of man is a snare. It's a trap. We need to break out of that. Then Moses says, I have never... I've never done that before. I've never preached. I've never, I've never done that before. I've never, I'm, I've never done that. He's dealing with inadequacy. And then his last ditch effort is please send someone else. Please send someone else. I actually remember saying that to Malcolm Smith, the executor, executive director of Teen Challenge. He asked me to do something. I said, ask someone else. I don't want to do that. But God's calling and you know his call is, it's, 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 it, it never goes away, it still always is. It doesn't matter how much you fight it, it's still the same. His call is irrevocable. He's a good God. So Moses gave her all his excuses and I'm sure God patiently listened and, uh, and, and God elimita- eliminated all his excuses because that's what God does. He just eliminates excuses. And you know what? That's what we as leaders are called to too. That's what we do. We just eliminate people's excuses and we help them walk in their destiny. Amen. And so anyway, Moses went on his way. And Moses, acting on this promise that God had given him, acting on God's word, he took God for his word. He boldly approached Pharaoh and asked him to let the Israelites go. And so he said, God has met with us today. Let us go on a three-day journey so we can offer sacrifices to our God. That's what he said to Pharaoh. Yet instead of receiving Pharaoh's blessing, Pharaoh was furious. He's He's the head guy of all the Egyptians. So he's the guy that's pushing the slave drivers to push the Israelites. And so he's furious and he begins to call them lazy. You want to go on a three-day journey? You're lazy. And so he does the absolute opposite and he increases their workload. So instead of lightening it, he increases it. So he orders that the Israelites' workload be increased even more, as if it wasn't bad enough. They were crying out to their God to save them, to rescue them, to help them. They were already miserable and oppressed and being forced to work excruciating hours, intense hard labour work. And now it's even worse. Their answer to prayer, their answer to their cries is to work even harder. How brutal and unfair. And Moses got the blame. 
Moses got, got the blame. And they said to him, how dare you? How dare you? May God judge you, is what they said to Moses. You have just given us a death sentence. That's what they said. You've all but given us a death sentence. It's not those words, but that's what the scripture says, basically. And so Moses went to God, of course. And he goes to God and he begins to question God. Exodus chapter 5, verse 22. Moses returned to the Lord and said, Why, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, ever since I went to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people and you have not rescued your people at all. Accusation. You have not rescued your people at all. Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name. Does it sound familiar? Ever since I became a Christian, things have gotten worse. Ever since I began praying, things have gotten worse. Ever since I began tithing, things have gotten worse. Ever since I started counselling, things have gotten worse. Ever done that? Gone to counselling? (laughs) Things get worse. Ever since I started to work on my marriage, things have gotten worse. Ever since I put boundaries in place, things have gotten worse. Ever since I started serving you, God... Ever since I started serving you, things have gotten worse. Sound familiar? Ever since I went to Pharaoh in your name. The people accused Moses and Moses accused God. You have not rescued your people at all. That's what he said to God. Moses and the people made the mistake of thinking God's work was finished. They made that mistake. They thought his work was finished that that was his complete answer to their prayer. What happened to the promise? What happened to the promise? And God responded to Moses' questions and accusations and in pure God fashion, he just said the same thing. (laughs) Have you ever experienced that? You know, sometimes I go to God for a word, you know, when I'm at crossroads in my life and I'm like, Lord, give me a word, give me something. And you know, and he's done this to me a few times and he gives me this scripture and it's this, walk humbly, and do what is right. (laughs) I was hoping for different words, God. Something different. But obviously I need that. Walk humbly and do what is right. So in pure God fashion, he just repeats his words to Moses. He repeats the promise to Moses. And he says, I will surely free the Israelites from the Egyptians. I will surely be their saviour. I will surely be their rescuer because I am Lord. So the promise didn't change. It's still the same. It didn't matter if things had gotten worse. It was not evidence of a lost promise. God hasn't lost the plot. Do you ever think God's lost the plot? We may at times, but he doesn't. And this is the interesting verse and one to take note of. In Exodus chapter 6, verse 9, it says this. So Moses reported this to the Israelites. So Moses went back and repeated the promise to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labour. They did not listen to him because they had lost hope and they were focused on their circumstances. The scripture again, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labour. 
They'd lost hope and they were focused on their circumstances so they weren't listening. The point is this, what and who we are listening to is key to keeping hope alive. What and who we are listening to is key to keeping hope alive. To have hope, we need to surround ourselves with the right people. We need to surround ourselves with hope dealers, people that deal hope. It was Napoleon that said a leader, a, a, a leader is a dealer in hope. So we need to surround ourselves with people that deal hope. To have hope at times, we need to reject what some people say. We need to reject what some people say. Those that say never, those that say I can't, it's not going to happen, no way, he, she, they will never. We need to reject that, what some people say, to push those voices out. You know, the Israelites were so discouraged and so consumed with their circumstance that they did not listen to the right voice, the voice of Moses, the voice of their leader, the voice of God. That's the voice they needed to listen to. But because they were discouraged, they were losing hope, they were focused on their circumstances, they did not listen. I've just listened to Alan's preach. Where is he? Alan, it was such a brilliant preach at the start of January there. And it was so anointed and he explained how Pharaoh uh, represents the devil. You know, some of us are listening to the devil's voice and we don't even know it. You know, the devil works through people. And it's not that those people are evil. They're not evil, they're not bad people, but the devil will work through people to plant seeds and to speak words. And, and they're not doing it deliberately, they don't even realise it themselves. That's why Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. He said that to Peter, that was his disciple. He was following Jesus, but he said, get behind me, Satan. And I'm not saying you should go around and say that to your friends and family members. But be aware of the voice, the words that you allow to take root, to sink into your heart, to sink into your mind. Um, it sometimes even makes sense as well, what, what people are saying. It sometimes even makes sense. So it's not necessarily evil, but the thing is, is it's not God's way. It's not God's way, it's the world's way even if it does make sense, you know. But we know, once again, that God's way is opposite from the way the kingdom, from the way that the world operates. And the biggest battle of all to have hope, to keep hope alive, is to take your thoughts captive. That's the biggest battle of all, to take your thoughts captive. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You know the battle of the mind is a real thing. It's a real thing. That's, there's such a battle that happens in our minds and the Israelites were so consumed with their, their circumstances that the thoughts were coming in fast and strong, which is understandable, especially when things appear worse. That's when it gets harder, when things appear worse. These thoughts become elevated above the Word of God. So you've got the Word of God here and these thoughts become elevated, and which in turn affects what comes out of your mouth. And we know what's in your heart comes out of your mouth. We know our words are powerful. We know uh, we create life or death with our words. Alan spoke about it uh, earlier on in the year. We know that. And the Israelites said to Moses, you have all but given us a death sentence. 
Our own thoughts can bring us to the lowest of lows. So it's so important to take every thought captive, to think about what you're thinking about. And it takes energy. But we need to think about what we're thinking about and if it's not of God, to push that thought out. And then find something that is of God and grab it and put that in. Reject what's not of God. And, then, but, and the key is as well is you act, sometimes we just go about life and we don't even think about what we're thinking about. We have to stop and think about what we're thinking about. And then you'll begin to realise why you're miserable and depressed and feel horrible because the thoughts in your head are terrible. So it's getting those thoughts out, rejecting them. And at first, it's a lot of hard work, but it becomes easier and easier and easier. But it's so key to keeping hope alive, such a key thing to keeping hope alive. We need hope for strength and strength to get through our battle, which is what the Israelites needed. That's what they needed really was strength, and hope gives us strength. In Isaiah 40, chapter 31, it says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. How cool is that? Hope gives you a supernatural strength. When we're weary of the challenges, when we're weary of the battles, when we're weary of the fight, hope renews our strength. That's why we need to draw away from people and draw away even from our family at times and get with Jesus and spend time with him and allow his presence, allow the word of God, allow his thoughts to come into our mind to be the dominant force in our life spending time with Jesus. That's why it's good to be in church this morning, receiving the word, letting it wash over you. That's why it's good to be in connect group as you're surrounded by hope dealers. You know, sometimes there's some negatives, but, you know, soon we'll turn them into hope dealers, right? It's good to surround yourself with the right people, letting the word of God wash over you, letting people encourage you, support you, lift you up. Sometimes you can get so caught up in, in your stuff that you begin to, you might have been strong at one stage, but you kind of, you know, you get pulled into that little loop of stuff and you don't even realise you're there. But you need to come back over here and get that support and that strength and let your hope be renewed. You might be here this morning thinking, well, I've hoped, I've prayed, I've believed and the outcome was not the outcome I was believing for. I've left being left disappointed, discouraged, broken. You know, sometimes we hope and we have a confident expectation, yet it doesn't always work out how we wanted or how we'd planned or how we had believed. That happens. You know, last year we had a beautiful lady. She was our church bookkeeper. She used to attend, attend church here occasionally and she had cancer. And uh, we as a church, we believed and we hoped and we prayed and, and we're standing with her. And, um, and I saw scans of the cancer shrinking and we're praising God and we're texting her and encouraging her. And, uh, and one night God woke me up and, and, and he wanted me to pray for her. So I prayed for her, I was believing. And I texted her uh, a couple of days later on the Saturday, I texted her and I said, look, we're still praying for you. I'm thinking of you. Keep going. You've got this. And she texts back and she said, she was just so amazed. She said, God's answering your prayers. The cancer's nearly gone. Uh, God is so good. I'm forever grateful. I'm responding well to treatment. Um, and I said, good on you. Keep going. You've got this. God's got this. And she texts back, exactly. Such a confident expectation. Yet on the Monday, a couple of days later, she tragically passed away suddenly. She passed away 
and it was due to complications and, and this rocked me for a while, you know. It's like, well, what happened, God? And as I wrestled with God, I came back to the same conclusion is that God is always good. It doesn't matter if we don't understand what's happened, what is happening or how things are turning out. God is always good. But what I realised is this. In the last few months of her life, she kept her soul alive. She kept her soul alive. She kept it renewed. Her hope was the anchor for her soul. And, she st- and, and that kept her and, and anchored her so very close to God, which is who she needed as she entered into eternity. And we know one day her family and friends will be with her and see her again, you know, and we will as well. But it didn't turn out as had planned. We had a confident expectation. But she was praising him to the very end, to the very end. And I bet she's got a cool place in heaven. King David from the Bible had a child who became ill and God said the child would die. Yet David, King David had hoped that God would extend mercy and allow his child to live. So he held on to hope and he prayed and he fasted and he believed. And the Bible says he spent all night laying on the ground just crying out to God. And David's people, his attendants, they were concerned for him. They tried to pull him up off the floor. They tried to get him up. They tried to stop him from fasting and praying. They tried tried to get him to have something to eat. They were concerned for him. And when the child actually died, they were too scared to tell him. Because they're like, well, what's he going to do? He's already doing this. What's he going to do if we say his child actually died? Yet the scripture said that David, when he heard the child had died, got up, washed, changed, and he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. He went into the house of the Lord and worshipped his king regardless. He knew where his hope still was. He knew where his strength still was. He knew who his God still was regardless. He knew his child could not return to him, but that one day that he would be with him. Even after what seems to be the end of hope, there's always still hope. Because the cool thing is, is Jesus is hope. The two disciples that were on the road to Emmaus, they didn't realise that Jesus' death gave them the greatest hope possible by Jesus dying and rising again gave them the greatest hope possible sometimes what we think is worse is good or even better it's what it needs to be you know when your finances are going backwards when your loved one is getting further and further from God and Karen if you can come up and When your marriage looks like it can't be healed. When your grief seems to never go away. When your dreams seem so far from reality. When you're still struggling with the same issue. Does anyone get sick and tired of still struggling with the same issue? We've got to keep our hope alive, which is again when our thoughts come into play, where we've got to take every thought captive. You know, it's not a time to give up. It's a time to stay close to God, allowing Him to renew your strength. It's a time to take your thoughts captive, keeping your hope alive. It's a time to reject what some people are saying, to push those voices out and get your eyes firmly fixed on Jesus Christ. It's a time to focus your thoughts and your words. Think about what you're thinking about and then what's coming out of your mouth. It's a time when your faith is being built 
You know, we talked about in the first week that I preached of this series why Jesus didn't reveal himself immediately. He was walking on that road with those two disciples on the road to Emmaus and they didn't know who he was because God hid it from them. And he didn't reveal himself immediately because he was building their faith. He was building their faith. He was, he was adding to them. He was strengthening them. He was drawing it out of them. He was building their faith. Psalm 16 verse 7 says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. What an amazing piece of scripture right there. You could go, and go home and meditate on that for the next four weeks and get that deep within your soul. And that'll give you the strength that you need for whatever battle or situation or circumstance that you're facing. You know, I loved what Alan said the other week again. It was a good preach. If you haven't listened to it, jump on uh, to our website and click on podcast and you'll see his message there. But he said, Jesus is not mild and meek. He said, that's tradition. He was confrontational at times and he needed to be to bring about change. You know, some of you need to get confrontational to bring about change. And I'm not uh, advocating being aggressive because we don't want that. But I'm talking about uh, being confrontational in your thoughts, being confrontational in your boundaries, being confrontational on stamping on the devil's head. Have you ever done that before? Getting a bit aggressive with the devil and telling him to back off, you're a child of God, because that's what you are. Being confrontational and pulling down strongholds. The strongholds in your mind, that default of the way you think. Get, get aggressive in pulling that down to get rid of those lies and to replace it with God's truth. Being confrontational in taking ground for Jesus Christ. This victory is yours. Whatever it is, it's yours. The victory is yours. Even when you think it's not, it is. That's the cool thing because of Jesus Christ. You know, death could not hold Jesus down. Death couldn't hold him down. And we can't be held down either. We will not be held down. The victory is ours. The victory is ours. And with that victory, we'll see restoration. We'll see reconciliation. We will see unity. We will see dreams fulfilled. We will see lies be replaced with truth. We will see our building for this church. We will see supernatural growth. We'll see this community reached. The city of Perth reached for Jesus Christ because the victory is ours. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for it, Father God. You know, many years ago, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ and it was the best decision that I ever made. And you know, it's a simple prayer. But you don't have hope until you have Jesus. If you're sitting here this morning, you can't honestly say that you're going to heaven when you die. Then it's a simple prayer. And to have hope is to have Jesus. And if that's you this morning, I just ask that you slip your hand up in the air.
and we'll pray a prayer together as a church. If that's you online this morning, we're going to pray in a minute. Let's pray together. God, I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me, to wash me clean. I ask that you forgive my sins and I choose this day to live for you. In Jesus' name. Best prayer you'll ever pray. (laughs) If you've prayed that online for the first time, congratulations. Today is a good day. I remember when I got saved, 27th of February 2001. We'll never forget the day. You're on Jesus' path now in his kingdom. I want to pray this morning for anyone that's struggling with disappointment. You know, you've had dreams, you've, you've hoped, you've prayed, you've believed, and you're weary. And you need your strength renewed. I want to pray for anyone that would like that prayer this morning. So the team are going to play a song. We're going to worship, stand to our feet. But if you want prayer this morning, come forward and we'll pray for you in those areas to break off disappointment. Sometimes you need a bit of extra prayer to break it off, to move forward in God, to get that hope alive again, for it to be renewed. And so if that's you, don't, 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 don't worry about any, what anyone else thinks. This is between you and God. Who cares? Moses said, what if they? And God said, who cares? This is what I say. This is your life and your journey and these are your people. So don't, be, don't care what anyone thinks this morning. If you need prayer, please come forward. And we're just going to worship and you're going to do some business with God. We're going to pray. And please come forward. If we can kick off a song there, please, Karen. Stand to your feet, church.